I won't hire a plumber without seeing some of the public toilets toilets they've unclogged in their spare time for fun. Yeah, perfect. That makes complete sense exactly. to me. Exactly. And that's why I was in that men's room at that truck stop officer. <laughs> You're listening to PHP Ugly episode 110. I'm John Congdon. With me as usual, Eric Van Johnson. Hello, John. And Tom Rideout. Hello, John. Hello. How are you guys doing tonight? Excellent. Doing well. I've got I'm I'm sitting in a nice cool house, so I'm totally stoked. John came over today and helped bug my home. I mean, help install a mess <laughs> thermostat. So, John's the one so, to call for bugging homes because he does have what seven cameras on his children <laughs> in, in one one room, one six by six room, something like that. So, Eric, I put in a, an Echo B thermostat in my home months ago, and I also did some electrical work outside my house. I put uh, electrical outlets out by my. Uh, floodlights so that I could put up cameras outside because as we all know I'm obsessed with cameras and Eric and I talked at that time and he told me how scared he is of electricity and I didn't believe him until I went over to his house today I have a completely unreasonable fear of electricity I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the show I don't think we have yeah we've talked about phobias before but I, I have I have uh, it's okay to be a little nervous around electricity, but what I have is way beyond that. Thomas, you'll, you'll love this. I go over to his house, and we turn off the power to the entire house. Like Eric's house is older, so he, he only has like 10 breakers to begin with, and he just shuts all of them off. Like Power is, is not in the house at all. It's just off the grid completely. As a side yeah. note, that's a, that's a typical workflow when I'm plugging and unplugging things. I just shut down all the power to the house. <laughs> I then take off the old thermostat and I'm pulling the wires out to, to plug into the new nest. And as soon as I, I'm not even touching the bare wire, I'm just touching the wire. And Eric's like, like flinching, backing up away from me. <laughs> and then I actually get into wiring it. And... I felt so bad. Like I had planned on like doing the whole grab a wire and type of thing, but seeing how nervous he was, I chose not to do that at all. He realized I would have literally passed out. That would have... <laughs> see if you'd had the what, power on, you could have got it on camera. What, what made it even funnier is we put the power back on, and one of the wires wasn't connected right. So we're going through the setup, and oh! the the fan wasn't even blowing out at this point. So I all I do is pull the the nest faceplate off, and I and I push the wire in while they're live and reconnect it. And I really thought he was going to have an issue. It gives me the willies now. Uh, yeah, it's not even Electric- high voltage lines. Electricity is like one of those weird things. So I do know from my childhood, even young adult life. I had some bad experiences with electricity. Now, it wasn't me directly. I I witnessed some bad experiences with electricity. Keeping in mind, I totally understand that the bad experiences I witnessed were poor decision-making on the person, on the other person's (laughs) area. But... They shouldn't have have listened to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but... 
the the thing about electricity to this day, it, I, it, I have tried so hard to overcome this. Uh, but the thing about electricity to this day is that it bugs me so much that you can't see or smell or you have no sense whether or not there's voltage running through a wire or how much voltage is running through a wire. And that freaks me the hell out. It just absolutely freaks me out. I'm going to bring you a pair of pliers I have. I still have them to this day, and this probably happened 10, 15 years ago. More like 15 years ago. Are they melted? I, I'm, I'm trying to do something in my room with electricity. Turn the power off to this outlet. Everything's great. Go up in the attic, and I take a pair of needle nose pliers and cut through a line. I cut through a 220-volt line oh. with oh. needle nose pliers. The hair on my leg was singed, oh. and... And there's two holes in the these needle nose pliers where it just basically just broke them. It's like nope. That's that's what I'm talking about right there. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I don't. I, <laughs> but I still have no I have, issue with electricity, and I, I almost got electrocuted. <laughs> I have a brother-in-law who was an elect- electrician for a while, and again, that's never good when I, you used to be an electrician. Oh. Man, that 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 freaks me out, and I I, I am so appreciative that John came because I, I've wanted this Nest Cam, uh, this Nest Cam, I've wanted this Net, Nest thermostat forever. I think I wanted mine before John bought his, uh, but I just I just realized I wasn't going to be able to install it. So I, never I, thought, got I thought you it. had it. I thought when I bought mine, you said you had one, and then you started talking to me yesterday about it, and you're like, "No, I'll go pick one up." I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I got in a in a pinch yesterday because. My old school thermostat just flat out didn't work. This thing I mean, looked it like just... it was from the seventies. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really mine, old mine school. Does too. What was cute is, my after John gets this all installed and you know we see how it works and it has this really nice display. It has a really nice display, really well thought out interface, uh, pretty cool. But you know. John goes to leave, and my wife turns to me, and she looks at me, and she says, so you realize now, when the electricity goes out, our thermostat stops working. And I'm like, you, you realize electricity goes out, it stops working anyways. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter if it's the new one or the old one. There's no there's no air conditioning with the electricity. You swapped out, out, you swapped out the diesel-powered thermostat? <laughs> it might have been a bad call. Oh, that was funny. I'm glad I wasn't there for that one. <laughs> All right, I got it. So, I've got no, 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 wait, wait, no, 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 not before you move on. The funny part is his thermostat is in his kitchen above his toaster. So every time he makes toast, <laughs> <laughs> the, the absolute hottest room in the house, especially when dinner's being made, over the absolute hottest piece of equipment in the house. <laughs> Uh. It's my thermostat. <laughs> Make a toast. Why is the AC on? Yeah. Every morning around 7.30, the AC kicks on. And even in the middle of winter, can't figure it out. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that was so fun. All right, uh, Eric, you were saying. All right. So, <clears throat> I have conspiracy theories. I've stated them in the past. And I am convinced that people are listening to us. As I had to prove to you guys, I had mentioned a few shows back about the idea, the fact that GitHub was hosting so much proprietary information 
and nobody really seemed to be concerned about this. And then, like three weeks later, Microsoft buys GitHub. Coincidence? I think not. We still neither of us recall that conversation whatsoever. I I posted a link to it in in Slack. Just go <laughs> Didn't listen. Didn't see to that. It. Anyways, I wasn't on that episode. Peep, you were on that. Was, that was your pothead <laughs> episode. <laughs> I wasn't literally... on that episode. <laughs> it's literally our, our I may most been, popular. I may have episode. been sitting here. I may have been sitting here, but I wasn't there. <laughs> so I know I know Big Brother's listening, and I know people. So I have an idea. I would love to do this myself, but I, I don't think it's feasible. I wanted to put it out there in the ether, get some karma. Maybe somebody actually hears this, thinks it's a good idea, and implements it. But I wanted to talk to you guys and see what you thought, because this was like a brainstorm to me. I'm like, how is this not a thing? We're, we're all digital assistant users, either either the Google one or the Amazon one. Or both. Or both, in, in many of our cases, like myself. And myself. I thought to myself, let's let's take the Google or let's take the Amazon one because that seems to be more popular. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a mode where it would snapshot? So, let's say you're 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 in your bedroom, you're with your wife, and you hear something <laughs> funny going on in the house, right? Wouldn't it be cool if you could say uh, Echo? Uh, what did I call it? Oh, Echo Security Check. And when you say that, it takes a it takes a snapshot of your current environment, how everything is set up. Then it turns off all devices it has access to that has sound, like music, televisions, uh, any outlets. Of course, this is all configurable. Any outlets you have. So, for example, I have a smart outlet that powers a little water fountain we have in our living room. Turns all those off, turns on all the lights that it has access to. And puts all the devices into intercom mode. So you as the person can now walk around your house to a fully lit house. Listening to your your devices to see if it's picking up any noises. But also talking to anybody else in the house. Saying, yeah, no, I'm, I'm down in the basement. Everything's fine. And then when this is... most of that as is. Hmm? You could do most of that as is. Yeah, you can do the through... vast majority of that. Through this, how, how, yeah. How would you do you, that? You set up a you set up a routine that turns off all your outlets, turns off all your uh, sound making devices, turns on all your lights. The only uh, thing that I can't figure out would be putting all of your Echo devices into intercom mode. Yeah, but that'd be really similar to the drop in system. Yeah, but yeah, yeah but I it's drop in on all of them at once, which you can't currently do, as far as I know. You drop no, in you on you a single with the one. Google device. I, th- I thought you could with the Am- Amazon one. Maybe not. I really don't know. I don't use it enough. So so the the only problem... I, I like that idea. Maybe I need to set that up. I've never had a lot of luck with the routines. The only problem with that is to resume resume things. Ideally, yeah. the environment would reset. Like if it was playing music on a couple of devices, it would continue to play music. Mm. But you yeah, know, that, now that, that would you, be harder to do. Now that you say that, though... So I was thinking this could even be expanded to smart devices like uh, smoke detectors, where if a smoke detector goes off, it, it's configured to set everything in the environment like that. Like, hey, smoke detector's going off, turn on all the lights, turn off all the other sound, 
so people can hear the smoke detector and hmm. you know put everything in an intercom mode. That's a good idea. Yeah, million dollar deal. I'm glad you gave it away. <laughs> could could I do that with a routine though? I I could probably do that with a routine, right? If like if it's, yeah, it, you would have to do assuming it. Assuming you have a, a smart thing. Huh. No, if you have a a smart device, like smoke detector. A, a, a smart smoke detector, you should be able to do that. Huh. I haven't seen so other so the smoke only thing is fire commands off like that. Yeah, you're probably right. Doing if this and that. Although actually, that's not correct. Smart things does that. When you, if you think of the presence sensor, when when I come within a certain range of smart things of my home, it does. I don't know what that is. X things. Really? Yeah. Smart hmm. uh, smart things is a hub that I use that connects all of my devices, whether it's a smart things device, a Z Wave device, a Zigbee device, and I can set up routines to turn on my office, turn off my office, for example, uh, as I. Once I leave, once everybody that is considered a presence device, so me and my wife at this point, when we leave our home area geographically, two minutes later, our alarm automatically sets. When we get back within that area, the alarm turns off. And none of that is if this and that. And if if the alarm kicks off, can you, can you have it do routines? Like, hey, if the alarm mm-hmm. goes off, do mm-hmm. this? Yep. It hmm. sends me a text. It... It's, or if my garage door has been open for 15 minutes, it sends me a text saying, hey, your garage door is open. Hmm. And that's not through. So, so that. the only thing I should be able to accomplish, the only thing I couldn't do was get the environment back to the previous state. That and the the intercom on all Echo devices. That was true, too. Yeah. I, love I, how... I, really like right. the, I really like the SmartThings hub. And recently I started watching videos about this thing called Action Tiles. And this, I'm really, I started configuring it, and that's why I ordered an Android device, an Android tablet today. People are setting up Android tablets and putting them into frames on their walls. And I really want to know how this freaking company plans to make money. Action Tiles charges $25, and they're basically just a, a gateway from the web to smart things. So they set up an OAuth. Now you have access to all of your devices, your routines, and it creates basically just a grid of tiles, very configurable, uh, that you can then click on. I want to turn this light on, this light off. I want to turn my alarm on, alarm off. You could set up security. So if somebody does come into your house and clicks on a button, they have to enter a pin for it to do whatever action that is per button. But oh, that, I haven't that looked was at it enough. Yet. That was a caveat with, with my security check to put the system back into resume mode. The person has to say it to the same echo device that he enabled safe check on in case mm-hmm. there is a burglar. <laughs> you say safe <laughs> check mode. Burglar says, no, no, <laughs> resume, resume. <laughs> so going back to action tiles, it's fascinating to me and I haven't taken enough time to look at the details of how it works. But if it's through WebSockets, like I assume it is because it's a web interface that's constantly connected, they have a a bandwidth bill, but they charge a one-time flat fee of like $24, bucks. Well, like, how is that not a subscription no, web service? WebSockets are very smart about bandwidth. That's why they're so popular. I was saying, if, they, if they're yeah, using but, something like AWS Lambda, that's I don't pretty, care. I mean, they can I don't care if pretty... it's super 
I don't care if it's super cheap. At some point, I'm going to use up $25 worth of bandwidth on my web sockets. I doubt That's it. That's true. Yeah. In a year? That's true. Or in a month? No. It's, in it's 10 a years. one-time fee. So. In, 20, oh. in 20 years. It's a oh, one-time yeah. fee. <laughs> if it was 25 bucks a month, okay. Makes more sense. But I, it's actually, a one-time fee. One of the videos I'm seeing shows all, so it shows a feed of cameras, too. Yeah. The, it, you can have videos playing. You can have cameras playing. Granted, they probably don't feed that through their servers. They probably mm-hmm. it's probably just a URL to whatever device you have. Yeah, but there's some there's some super still, cheap Android tablets too. I I was at Walmart the other day. There's like Android tablets there for like a hundred bucks. It's ridiculous. No, I bought one off of Amazon today for forty bucks. Yeah, forty bucks. That's the Holy number one God. tablet right now. I, is the forty dollar Amazon uh, Android tablet. Yeah, I could have gone could have gone with the Kindle Fire for thirty bucks or thirty five, but I just know I'll have better luck with Android. Personally, yeah, not dealing. Yeah, with the, that, the Kindle. So. I, I I'm really disappointed with what they did with the Kindle. It, yeah, they they just they they actively block Google stuff on Kindles. They Google Chat, Google all the normal Google things that you have on an Android device. Mm-hmm. Amazon actively blocks it and really kind of cripples the the whole experience in my in my honest opinion, including the Android Play Store. You know, you have to go through the Amazon Store. Well, that's why it's so uh, cheap. They're selling it at a loss. Yeah, yeah. You can sideload it. It's not that difficult to sideload, but what a pain! My big annoyance with even it's not jailbreaking. It's rooting an, an Android device. You have to have a Windows friggin' machine and i don't have a single one of those in my house mm-hmm. and i know i could do it probably do it through virtual machines and i haven't even gone that far i just don't care enough or linux i've yeah. seen plenty of roots on linux yeah whatever thomas i have a question for you okay i have a question for you afterwards though okay what's the difference between utc and gmt uh three <laughs> okay perfect three <laughs> uh boy um, this came up today, and I thought you would know. Well, because all I'm... the fun we have talking about time zones and stuff, yeah, the the question of UTC GMT came up. Yeah, so GMT is an actual time zone. It's the Greenwich uh, Mean Time. Means um, the UTC isn't an actual place or time zone. It is the standard. So. GMT. Did you Google this while I asked you the question? No, I read this article last week. Oh, because that's the exact definition I got when I Googled so, it. So, <laughs> GMT, by my understanding, is UTC plus zero. Right. And so, exactly. <clears throat> so everything is everything is centered off of UTC, even GMT, even though GMT is just UTC plus zero. Yes, GMT is a time zone. That was fun. All right, good so, question for me. It was cool to find that out. You uh, yeah. you said in the chat earlier that you had to remove people from our Trello board because of the meetup this week? I said that? No, I did not say that. <laughs> you said, I did not say quote unquote, Eric, Eric, it's all Eric, about security after last night's meetup. Eric, Eric removed people. I second that. <laughs> last night, so we, we had SDPHP last night. And the the top, the subject of the the presentation was where's the beef, which I love because I'm a 
older person that understands that saying. <laughs> and I guess there there's this whole framework called the browser uh, exploitation framework. It's basically a a a, th a thing you can download. It's code that you can put onto a server and the way you can use it is to inject javascript onto another site yeah obviously if you're doing it for a presentation like this person did you you get everyone in the room to go to a site that has it on there i'm trying to get the presenter to actually create an app that is exploitable through xss to inject javascript onto somebody else's site but this thing is freaking amazing yeah. All of the plugins or extensions that it has, basically as soon as you go to that site that is exploited, the person who has control of the this framework can now detect if you have things like LastPass or QuickTime. I mean, there's just so much stuff. They can play sounds on your computer. They can activate your webcam. And it is just, it's so freaking scary that you can click on a link, be taken somewhere not realizing that you have this happening. There's automatically a keylogger in store, so as you're typing, things are put in there. I could pop up a little, what looks like a Facebook login screen. So you're like, oh, I need to log in with Facebook and <laughs> yeah. put in your username and password. Uh, there was something else that was... You could change the links on that site. Not necessarily... So, you know, when you hover over a link, you're like, okay, this is going to Google. You could change, you could do one of two things. You could change the link so that when you hover over it, you see where it's going. But you could also change the on-click event so you don't see. You hover over the link, you're like, oh, I'm going to go to Google. You which click is, on it, and now you, you go to some other completely different domain. Which is actually something that Google does. Google's, I don't know what you mean by that. Google search results fake the destination. What? You didn't know. You didn't know that. Are you shitting me? No. Stop it. They want to track your click. I'm gonna... So when you click on yeah, it, but they... it fires an event that tracks the click and then directs to. But, but it's still they still show you the URL you're going to end up at. That you're going to end up at. I but agree. Not the URL still, that you go to. Doesn't matter. There's still a, yeah. I understand what you're saying there. Yeah. But you could do. They could do that without changing that. It's on, on event send the tracking information to Google and then go to this URL. Yeah, I think they do actually a little bit more uh, than that, but... Anyway. This story is not about but Google. The, the, the fact that just by doing SQL injection or cross-site scripting, which I loved a slide in his presentation that says it's more than just alert XSS, which is the defect, defect, de facto standard. You you inject this alert into someone else's site and all of a sudden there's an alert pop-up. Right. The fact that he should be able to take this and exploit a site, whether, you know, one that he creates is just fine. But you create a, a fake shopping site where you can inject this JavaScript code into and have complete control over someone's machine should scare the absolute bejesus out of everybody. Mm-hmm. And... I understand XSS. I knew a lot of this stuff already, but the fact that this beef framework was out there making it so easy how, to do making it so easy that even if you're a script kitty you can do it is even scarier. Yeah, and this is considered like a one day or 
two-day exploit framework, too. It's not considered a zero-day exploit framework. So the stuff that's really scary is the stuff it can do with zero-day exploits, where you can you can root a whole machine with a zero-day exploit through the browser. Mm-hmm. Um, this is more this is more gathering data. So, if I could inject JavaScript into your site, I can sit back and wait, and it could take me days, weeks. But I'm gathering data about information on people, and then trying to exploit their machines. Which is one of the reasons that it's recommended that you have comparative snapshots of your own website. You should be able to snapshot your source but code what, and see if what, there's a change. Yeah, but, but this no, isn't even source that, code. It, yeah, it wouldn't change the source code of the other site. Well, it's just in yeah, the I browser. That's true. If, if, I'm ex- if I have like a, a WYSIWYG installed on my site where I'm accepting people pasting stuff in, and I don't do a good enough job of sanitizing that or escaping it on output, and I allow you to put script tags in there, you could put a script tag into this exploitation, this beef framework, and you would never know because it's in the database at that point. Well, now, there are a lot of frameworks that are sort of the other side of this. IDS um, systems, intrusion detection systems, which, mm-hmm. which do scrub log files and track right but that's that's server based that's mm-hmm. I, 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 and then clients never going to see that snort comes but yeah. to mind is, no but you can called? see if you're if you're access logs if you paste your access logs into these intrusion detection systems they'll look for attempted exploits and yeah that's pretty but pretty your common. access that doesn't work on a post you're not going to see that you can't paste a post posts are controlled that's... way differently because of xss so that's with, what I'm saying. With posting, what you if you're not if you're not filtering your input, it doesn't matter. You're not going to see it in, right. in the access logs. You still yeah, might, you, you would, not in the access logs, but there there are other there are other technologies in IDS systems that could pick up on it. So the the could. problem with with that idea is that at that point as an end user you're you're depending on the owner of that website actually caring about the stuff and, and monitoring it and, and having right that's having a big that that's set. a big thing well an if IDS you're not filtering is, your input you're not going to have an IDS IDS is I, I think they, wicked expensive no, no snort snort is free snort is open source yeah. but snort yeah. snort is not the high level stuff that you would need if you were really concerned about these threats. snort's snort's pretty good yeah i mean it, it's, it's like the standard that it's all awesome. the paid services piggyback on but but again to john's point the, the scary thing about this is as as the user getting hit with this stuff and, and never even knowing it it's it's terrifying john was so impressed by this talk um which isn't very john is always very appreciative of presenters but it's very rare that I see him truly blown away by a speaker. It's, it's happened a couple times. As a matter of fact, uh, a few of the speakers we have presenting at Wave PHP, John basically came to me this morning and says, "We've got to find room for this talk at Wave. We've got to make sure that people who attend Wave have an opportunity to see this talk." So we're we're actually thinking about trying to. Fortunately, the presenter is local. And, and willing to, to speak. So we're, we're going to probably do some shuffling around with the schedule 
and try to slip him in somewhere so that uh, it, it's out there. It, it, it'll be good to have a strong security talk out there. I personally, yeah. I miss the talk, so I uh, I'm hoping that he does it so I can <laughs> have an opportunity to see it. Yeah, we. I mean, we again we talked about how to make it even better than it was. It was a great talk, but there are ways to improve it and come to Wave PHP and see it. We're going to try and make make sure it happens. Now, even Google, if it's in an oncon. Chrome is making a change in response to this kind of stuff as well. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but there's going to be a version coming out soon that does not let you install extensions from third-party sources anymore. How does that prevent right. this, though? Because one of the one of the big <clears throat> uh, deployable exploits once you get into somebody's system is installing an extension on their browser that's listening to every page they go to and everything they do. Uh, and I now, agree with that. That, coming up is scary. <clears throat> coming up, the only way you'll be in, able to install an extension is through the Chrome Web Store. But you um, can still you could still install third party extensions. Right? No, so they're not they're at just all. going to do an... they they not even in developer mode. Not even if you go through every so possible. We, little no, tiny I, I step. mean I mean I guess. What I'm saying is not all extensions are going to be Google extensions. Oh, no, no. You can't install them from third-party sources, so they have to be through the Google Store. So so they're doing like an Apple Store vetting process where they're going to check security, they're going to do some basic stuff. That's the idea. Do you ever install extensions from not the Google Store? I was for a period of time developing an extension and had to do it many times. Interesting. I've never done it. It's I don't know if I've ever good. done it either. Maybe, maybe, maybe I have. Maybe but, for like LastPass but, or something. But like going that. back to this B framework, you could install an extension from it. I believe you could create and install it. So basically right. doing what Thomas is saying. And that's what they're disabling. Yeah. Hmm. In theory. But on, on the flip side, yes, they're helping in that way. But another one of the features of it was creating an iframe that is basically the full width of your viewport. So you think you're going to a different page, but you're still, they're still logging all of your keystrokes. That is nasty. It it really, it really was. Did you guys see the CSS exploit that came out a couple weeks ago or a week ago? No. Mm-mm. There's a a new CSS style that lets you do masks over divs, so that <clears throat> you could do effects like Photoshop does, where you can uh, invert something um you could invert colors you could do shadow masks you could do stuff like that uh and it turned out that there was an issue where you could pop these divs over uh an input field that was hosted on some other page uh so you had an iframe and you could just pop 2000 of these divs over that iframe and it could read the iframe by checking the calculation time for the div to render <laughs> and it was pretty stunning demo so what were they doing was it a keylogger or it was designed I'm to the, the demo that i saw was pulling information from your facebook profile that it shouldn't have been able to pull through just just css through just CSS. Wow. I didn't, know, I didn't even know that was possible. That's crazy. I'd love to see a link to that information. You should check Slack because that's where I posted it when I found it. 
I, if well, I'm not mentioned, you... I don't look at Slack. How many times do I got to tell you, you that? Put it in the show notes. We already know that because no one, nobody responded. No one seemed to care. I thought it was awesome, but no one cared. No, nobody. Because it's people already... only respond when they're mentioned. It's already been patched, so the demos won't work. Oh, then why are we talking about it? Because that's the kind of zero day stuff that's I'm I'm really fascinated by. So you mentioned Facebook. Is something going on with Facebook? No, I I um to, to if you if you're not a long time listener to the show, I always feel like I have to explain a little bit because I don't want. Sometimes when I say something, the the perception gets twisted a little bit. So, but if you're a long time listener to the show, it? you know I'm not a Facebook user. Um, again, this was no conscious effort to boycott Facebook or. Any of that stuff. It wasn't even a conscious effort to try to get more focus. I just, personally for me, got tired of Facebook, got tired of the feeds. I didn't feel like I was getting anything out of it. And so I, I started cutting back. For the longest time, I'd stopped logging into Facebook on my browser, and I only had it on my phone. And a couple of weeks ago, I had to, I, I, did a, I didn't have to, but I did a reset of my phone and didn't even think about it, didn't even log into Facebook. So I probably went two or three weeks just flat out across the board, never even going to Facebook and didn't miss it because I had already kind of weaned myself off of it. But I really realized, and as kind of hard as, as it is to say this, is I kind of need Facebook because when I did log in and I forgot, oh, um, my sister-in-law was flying out here for a visit, and the primary way she communicates is through Facebook messaging. That's when I realized that I hadn't been logged into Facebook for a while. So I log into Facebook, I hit Facebook so that we could coordinate plans and efforts with my sister-in-law, and I'm flooded with all this information that I missed. And... 95% of it I didn't care about. But there were some very key things that I missed. I missed uh, John's wife had sent us a, uh invitation to uh, their son's birthday party. Totally didn't have any idea that that was out there. Nor did I even have any idea it was coming out. Nor did he care. Uh, mine, mine must have got lost in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> but more importantly, a very, very close friend of mine... Uh, mother was having some serious health issues, and I just missed it. I mean, there was there was a whole thread about it, and he was keeping family and friends posted uh, on her progress, and I was completely out of the loop. Does your, your wife doesn't track loop. this for you? We have we have different friends. Uh, we follow different people, hmm. so there there are things that that are missed. Um, so yeah, and, you know she she didn't she didn't catch this, but I honestly felt like I I was out of the loop on some very important topics, and I want to stress ninety five percent of the stuff I didn't miss. It's like none none of this is important to me, but there is a set of information that that I have grown dependent on through Facebook that I realized I wasn't getting anymore. It's it, it was a weird feeling. I still don't post. To Facebook a lot, and maybe I should because I realize that people are listening. Like friends do care about your status, but I um, I tell you what, man, I I felt bad 
especially for this one friend who his kid was having a birthday party. I felt bad. No. <laughs> uh, for this friend whose uh, mother uh, was having some health issues because we were very, very close. She, she, his mother is a very important person to me. And the fact that I wasn't aware of this, I don't know, man. It hurt, man. I'm like, damn, I can't believe she's been sick for this long and I didn't know about this. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, ideally in, in the real world, if I sh- that should have filtered to me another way. But as I it's mentioned, just how on people last communicate. Show, yeah. Right. It's, and as I mentioned to, in the last it. show, I, I grew up on the East Coast. My East Coast life, and in, in, as I've stated on the show before as well, my Facebook interactions are very different than my West Coast life and my professional interactions. Uh, people on Facebook don't really understand what I do. They don't understand that I do a podcast. They don't understand that I have a development company or, or the coding. My Facebook life are, are friends of mine from high school from the East Coast who, you know, I have no... I won't run into them at the store or I won't run into... Um, a friend at the park. I I just had this happen to me the other day here physically on the West Coast. I ran into a friend at the uh, dog park when I took my dog for a walk who I worked with 15 years ago and he had, he had informed me that one of our colleagues that we worked together with had passed away the week before. I found out that information before I found out this other information because of that real life interaction. But that this Facebook is that interaction for me, for my friends in the past, the, the, the people who I still care about, the families I still feel like I belong to, but I don't, ha- I don't have that ability to physically run into them anymore. Right. So do you so consciously keep your Twitter feed, your Twitter list and your Facebook list kind of separate? I do. Or is that, uh, that, is that, it just that, kind of how it worked out? Yeah. So obviously with Twitter, I don't control who follows me. But on Twitter, I typically only follow people who I, I'm interested in, like uh, interested in as far as coding. I, my my Twitter feed is very coder heavy. Uh, I don't have very much outside that. Um, on Facebook, I usually prune down who I friend on Facebook. I have a couple of ex uh, colleagues that I've worked with on Facebook. I have a couple of kind of geek things. Like I think I, I follow Cal Evans on Facebook, but the majority of the stuff I follow on Facebook are just old friends and acquaintances. Um, so following Cal Evans is kind of pointless because he's got the same thing I have, which is a bridge. Every time I tweet, it goes to Facebook, and that's yeah. what Cal Evans does too. And going back to my 2004 to 2012, that eight years kind of – when things became popular, like Facebook and Twitter, I set that bridge up mm-hmm. and I basically accepted everyone. So I've got people that on my Facebook account that I don't necessarily know personally, mm-hmm. but they knew me from previous podcasts or blogs that I've done. And I keep thinking about going back to my Facebook and just really pruning that out and making it a family only type of thing. But it really is. It was branding. I was branding myself, and mm-hmm. these people know me on Facebook. And have, have you ever thought? About I want to be able to reach another, out. Have you ever thought about creating another Facebook uh, persona that's more family? 
No, I've seen people violating, do that. Before. You're vital. You're violating you, terms of service. You, you think his? That. You think his Facebook feed bec- could become more about family? <laughs> Have you? It's, so I, I, I'm. But, but I'm his point. At... His point is, I shouldn't be sharing this stuff with random people that know me because I did a video podcast back in the day. Sure, mm-hmm. hey, you unfriend him. You have to. You have to curate, man. Yeah, but my. But I don't want to do that because I was branding myself and being able. I want to be able to share. If I have business news, if I want to share something that I've created, maybe I want to put it out to the cast a wide net. I don't want to, you know. So like sometimes you want to sometimes state. you want to publish something to a small circle, and sometimes you want it to be a large circle. Which you can do on Facebook, but I also want to keep that keep something out there. Do you I, know, I don't the, you know be... where that terminology comes from? No, 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 really here. Google, Google did the social <laughs> network thing that where you could define any number of circles. But you can do that on Facebook too. Yeah, you the can whole do that circle thing. They obviously Google failed in that, but they were trying to compete with Facebook, and that just didn't work out. Yeah, but, it's weird because I, you know, yeah, I'm looking at my friend request list now because I, I don't, I don't delete friend requests. I just don't confirm them, and I, I have friend requests from people who, you know, you have you have a mutual friend you know spencer is a mutual friend of ours who i follow spencer or actually follow spencer's wife on facebook but hmm. because of that relationship this other person has was able to send me a friend request and i'm like i don't know who this person is i'm i'm not accepting this friend request i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure you're a good person but <laughs> i just uh i'm not accepting your friend request so yeah you know, i and, should i should be more dedicated to that but i'm not yeah. But on I don't another know. It's, note, it's, it's just depends on how you want to use it. Go ahead. Yeah. On another note, I'm fascinated by security things, and I logged into Facebook today, and because of the way you have connections with people, they have a new way to to regain access to your account if you lose your password or mm-hmm. say you're using a password manager and all of a sudden that just goes to hell and you can't log in. Now Facebook has trusted contacts, so you can set three to five people as your trusted contacts. And if you lose access to your account, basically Facebook will give those three to five people a piece of information that you can then use to get back into your account. So hmm. what? while I trust while I trust you, Eric, I don't fully trust you to have access to my account. But if I <laughs> if I ask five people, hey, I don't have access to my account. Can you tell me these whatever they give you? Mm-hmm. Combine that all together, I then get access to my account. I thought that was fascinating. Now, I recently did this with LastPass, actually, where I I made my wife a trusted, what? yeah, I made my wife a trusted contact, and their rules are slightly different. So if she requests access to my vault, then I get an email and a text and a bunch of stuff, and if I don't respond within X amount of time then it gives her access to my vault. Really? That's scary. What if you miss that you set the You set the amount of time, so it defaults to like three days. Okay, but still, if you don't get that communication for whatever reason, that's scary. Yeah, well, you're setting the person as a trusted contact in the first place, and there's the yeah, time but, layout. But you... you call them a trusted contact but do you really want them having full access to your account in this case the whole point is i want access back to my account but i don't necessarily want you to have access 
I could see LastPass being a good thing for a I got hit by a bus scenario. That, and I think that's what mm-hmm. this is. I think this is if I get hit by a bus, then you have a week. You have to wait a week to get all my passwords, but at least you still get my Ethereum stuff or whatever. Yeah, that that's a, a different actually, use case, but very valid. As I say, actually, Facebook has that too. That if uh, a person password, you, you can you can. I I just saw this recently. Um, you can assign somebody who has the ability to take over management of your Facebook account in the event of your death. Really? Yeah. But how do they have? I, I would have I to take how that up that. on how that. Yeah, I, I I forget the details on it. But I, I, I can I'm sure I can it should be pretty easy to find, but I still get concerned about Thomas's thing with LastPass where granted they may be trying to contact me two or three different ways, but if I happen to miss all those pieces of communication and my wife's account was exploited, like somebody got access to her email and then they sent off this request for access to my account. You've got seven days to stop it from happening. Okay, hopefully hopefully LastPass is communicating at least once a day saying, hey, you've got six days left. Hey, you've got five days left. <laughs> and not just like the one time you've got seven days to respond. If you don't, they got access. It'll be interesting. Tell her to try it out. Respond next week. Let me know how it works. It's called a legacy contact. What You can add a legacy contact to your... To your account. I'll uh, add this to the show notes. <clears throat> Alright. Quick fun story. On Thursday mornings, we do uh, a co-working session at Holy Crepes. Okay, two fun stories. Because I thought of this <laughs> as us telling it. John's chatty tonight. We... I'm sorry. He, 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 he's moved from pot to crystal meth and you can't <laughs> shut him up now. I'll tell you, it's a gateway drug. <laughs> exactly. So, we, we do this co-working thing at a place called holy crepe in poway anyone's invited so if you're listening to this show and you want to come out hang out go for it i happened to be walking and saw a note in the window that says no outside food or drink allowed with three exclamation points at the end and in my mind i'm like wow that's very aggressive what's going on and we're very friendly with the owner so i ask him i'm like what happened and literally on the street he's on on saturdays is a what is it a farmer's market farmer's market where there's there's just tons of different things available and there's a very good crepe station you can go there and get a crepe people have the audacity to buy crepes from the farmer's market and then walk into his store and buy like a coke or coffee or something and sit down and eat the crepe in his shop (laughs) see is it is it audacity or is it idiots it's both. That's crazy. Finish what happened when he when he confronted the the person. Well, at first he told me he didn't want to confront them, but he he said something. And they're like, "Oh, we didn't know you sold crepes." The name of the place is called Holy Crepe. <laughs> it's in the name of the place. It's on the outside so of the stupidity. building. So stupidity. I just I thought that was hilarious. The second funny story. Again, I went over to Eric's house to install the the nest today i walk out of the crate place as i'm walking out to my car i'm hitting the button i hear my door unlock and my mind is just somewhere else and i'm like looking at traffic and i haven't told eric this yet so it's kind of funny i'm trying to open the car door and it's not opening hit the button again on my key hear the the door unlocking 
continue trying to open it. It's not opening. I do it a third time. It's still not opening. I finally look down. I'm car. at the wrong car. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm laughing at myself. I kind of look up, just laugh at myself, get in my car, pull out. And then Marcus, who was there with us, sends me a message on Slack. I saw you trying to get into the wrong car. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like such an idiot, but it was funny. Right, I went you know, to write this to you earlier, Eric, and decided not to save it for the show. You guys, <laughs> you guys know what time it is. Time to go to bed. Just good night. It's time for dim and gloom. Okay, go for it. Do you do you want us to cheer or something? What are you looking for here? Holy <laughs> he's looking smokes. for the applause button. Pausing for he's effect to, to hit it. Yeah, so he's pausing. He's running his doom and gloom music in his post-editing editing process. Getting right into now. my space, my mental space. Uh, there's big new concern about ultrasonic signaling between devices. Uh, apps running on your phone that can access the microphone uh, here we go. are here listening we go. for ultrasonic signals coming from retail locations. Uh, there are several companies, uh, Silver Push, Listener, and Shopkick, that sell devices that communicate with the customer's cell phone to get the IMEI numbers and essentially cookie your phone. So as you shop around the mall or wherever you are, it tracks your location, it tracks information about your phone, it tracks... Uh, what it is you're buying in the store because it knows that you were in that store just then when that purchase was made and then left. Uh, Stuff that's really invasive and is just another extension of a technology that was disclosed uh, by Edward Snowden in 2014 where these ultrasonic signals that people can't hear are being picked up by phones and used by nefarious third parties. Um, and these are all dealing with apps that have this API installed because they're giving they're being given five bucks a month for every thousand customers that have it installed, or what have you. And so the app has any access that the app has to your phone is being disclosed ultrasonically to a third party when you enter these stores. And these are I'm not. I, I zoned out halfway through that. What app is this? It's an API that's being included in applications, and uh, this this research company found 234 Android applications that do this kind of high-frequency-based tracking, and three different APIs that are advertising uh, themselves as customer tracking and customer management and customer monitoring so correct me if I'm wrong. I, I would love to see the list of apps that are doing this, if they're legitimate or if they're games. And then you have to give access to your microphone. So I'm completely guilty of this. Installing, you know, going and picking a game. I want to play, you know, some stupid mindless game for a few minutes. And then it's asking me for access to my photos. And originally when I first started doing this i was i was granting access thinking oh they need to be able to store their assets on my on my phone and then shortly after i realized no this is stupid they don't need access to this they don't need my photos 
same thing would be with microphone. If if something's asking for your microphone, you need to know why. And if you're playing a game or doing something that you're not actually using the microphone, they don't need access to it. Yeah, we we talked about this a little bit in the last show. The, the problem with that, for first thing, like normal people don't even think about that. Like my, my mom, my sister, they just mm. start hitting yes. But then right. you have these yeah. applications that, yeah, we're, I agree, like you're playing a game, you say it doesn't need access to your mic, but it won't let you play the game unless you give it access. Right. Like, Which you need to be, so you need to know, you need to know what those permissions mean. And that, that's the, the hard part. Again, most people just say yes to it, but if it needs something that you really don't think it needs and yep. you say no and it doesn't let you, then you're like, screw it. I'm not using whatever the app this is. You guys are both on Android. What version of Android are you on? I have a Pixel, so I'm on the latest. Yeah, I, I don't even know which version I'm on. I would have to check. But but you're on the, S, you're on the like, S9, so you're the latest, too, I believe. Right, yeah, I, I have 8.0. And what I've... Going from old, I think 6.0, to 8.0, oh, yeah. I was really impressed with the security changes. They, um, they changed a lot. It used to be you had to accept all of the, all of the permissions up front, so when you installed the app, you had to say... I agree to all of this. Right now, it's now, in the app. You don't when, do it yeah. when you install it. As you're using the app, you can say, "I need access to the microphone," and the person has to say yes or no. I need access to your camera. Yes, and you or can no. say, "Don't ask me again." And it also it happens as the API call occurs, so it's mm-hmm. not all up front. It's when the action is requested. Um, right. But on top of but that, I also code. get notifications from my phone that say, hey, this application has the mic open right now. Oh, really? So when I'm doing Hangouts... I haven't noticed that. When I'm doing Hangouts with my wife, I get an icon in the corner that says applications currently using microphone and lists the applications that have an open mic. I'm going to have to check that out. I've, I've never you seen get that. that. Where, where do you get that? In the menu? or It might be Samsung-specific. Um, well, I'm, from I'm what I've fun. from what I've read, vendors are starting to include this separate from uh, Android. Mm-hmm. But where do you? So where, is, where it, do you is it doing that on Facebook with you? You know, we've talked about the security issues with Facebook recently. I have listening on your conversation. Facebook. I'm not sure. What Eric, I, we'll have to try that. What that I did an, find that was that thing later. It had. It had a an ignore functionality, so ignore when this app is using the mic and don't notify me. And I had a bunch of apps that were ignored by default. Uh, I'll have to give that a shot because, like I said, I have the I have the S8, so I would like to. I I don't use. I mean, I I do use the mic with Slack. I'll take Slack calls occasionally on my uh, phone, so I'll have to try that out and see see if that works. Fun. All right, are we done with Doom and Gloom? Can I talk about something else? Oh my god, I wish. Okay. I had something, talk about something else about too, and I forget. There was Eric <clears throat> a recent nope. I'm, I'm, I'm taking over. problem. Nope. With nope. I'm taking Docker. Over. Go ahead, John. What are you talking about? <laughs> you, we're often asked by developers what they can do to take their when they're trying to be hired, right? And what is what is one of the big things we often tell people to do? Pay off the interviewer. Perfect. Exactly. Low cut dress. What's what's the what's the second thing we talk about? It's <laughs> GitHub. We, GitHub. We often tell yes. people we often tell people to have a GitHub account 
with code on there. <laughs> I recently came across a tweet that I thought was hilarious. And it says, I won't hire a plumber without seeing some of the public toilets toilets they've unclogged in their spare time for fun. Yeah, perfect. That's Makes complete sense exactly. to me. <clears throat> so it, it made me and so that's why I was like, in that Ben's room at that truck stop officer. <laughs> that made me re- start rethinking about my advice I give to people about having a GitHub account. And while it's great, that shouldn't be the end all to getting hired. Well, I think that's always been our point. I mean, and that's that that was our plea to interviewers. You shouldn't be basing your hiring practices on somebody's GitHub repo. But having that as a tool to review mm-hmm. is a very powerful thing. I mean, that's, yeah. that doesn't change. So I, I still see the benefit of having it. But, but not requiring you know, we, it. I don't know, right, man. The, the, if you give the, me a the printout... Message, if you give me a printout that says, what is this test doing? What is this class referencing? What type of repository is this? How does this thing resolve to the other files it needs to find? You can quiz someone in 20 questions and get just as much information out of reading their GitHub yeah, for 10 hours. This is, this is true, and I'm not, I'm not denying that. But, for example, I have a, I have a very good friend who who just went through an interview process where they did the whole sample code, which, again, I, I don't know if I'm a fan of the sample code. Like, you know, here's a problem, code a solution for. But he's a super, super talented developer. Um, he, he contributes to open source constantly. He has a ton of packages out there. He has, a, he has his own CMS. He... You know, he leads actual open source development uh, efforts for other people, so he knows what he's doing. I mean, he, he he's not a a, a fly by night fake developer. The guy the guy has serious talent. But he was presented with this coding challenge for this for this job interview, and he accomplished. You know, he he admittedly didn't didn't address all the features they were looking for. You know, he he's a, he got you know stressed for time, and so he got done what he he could get done but the interpretation the the way the code was interpreted and the patterns that he used the the interviewer didn't necessarily agree with and so it's just like okay well this is a snapshot of one effort of one challenge of a guy who has no insight of your coding practice that you've asked him to resolve why don't you go to his github repo see all the other things that he has accomplished and make your, you know, get all this, all this information in and make your decision. I mean, that's like saying, saying not to look at a GitHub repo for uh, kind of a, a barometer of, of how good somebody are, are the, 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 not necessarily how good, but how a person develops. It's like saying you shouldn't ask any question in an inter- interview. Like if somebody wants a job, they just sign up, and if they show up on time, then you hire them because <laughs> you know everything's. You're, you're not allowed to probe for any information, or you're not allowed to use any resource or take any resume. Yeah, I'm okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so the, the otherwise the, you're the just plea, building a meritocracy. The plea is as more we know. towards the the plea is more towards the people doing the interviews. You don't yeah, judge makes people makes a lot of sense. on their repos. Yeah. I've been told I'm very passionate about my uh, beliefs in, in coding. So. In every, literally everything. 
You've what also been, you've been told you. to tone it down a little too. <laughs> By several yeah. people. All right, we're over an hour in. Thomas, you have one more doom and gloom, and then I'm hanging up. You know what? You know what? I don't even pick, I don't pick even, wisely. Pick wisely. I don't even feel like doom and gloom. I don't even feel like doom and gloom. I'm going to bring up something that's just totally I think is awesome, and it's and it's not even related to PHP. It's just cool. Yeah, why go out with PHP? That makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so let's let's touch on this before before Thomas touches before Thomas says anything. Uh, we we get. I think this is really cool. Somebody tweeted out r- right before the show started. Somebody tweeted out a screenshot of them doing a duck duck go search where they typed in PHP space ugly. Pretty sure they typed. I don't in think why they, is PHP so ugly. And we showed. Up. I don't think they were looking specifically for our show, but we, we showed up as the top search result, <laughs> which is quite the accomplishment between those two search terms of PHP and ugly, because that that's got to be a pretty cop popular term for developers to search on. So the fact that our show shows up in that search result is uh, pretty awesome. I thought that was fun. As you guys know. I but love nobody uses DuckDuckGo, so everybody. As you guys know, I love. Hey, John, <sighs> I wonder if we can keep cutting Thomas off for like the rest of the night before he actually has a breakdown. I'm already so close to a breakdown. I've I'm living in my own squalor at this point. It's been two weeks since my wife has has went on her vacation. Since your wife left you. Oh right, right, right. No, we're still calling no. a quote unquote vacation. I'm Road sorry, trip. I forgot. She's road tripping out of your marriage. Things have gotten things have gotten bleak around the house. <laughs> the cats have stopped talking to me. <laughs> the problem is, you should be worried when they actually start talking to you. That's no, that when was you last worry. week. La- last week they were talking to me. Now I'm getting the silent treatment. <laughs> I right. I. Were we were we done talking? John? Yes, you were. It's my turn. I forget. I forget. No, but he Did said everybody uses DuckDuckGo, and I'm confused by that. Who everybody. uses DuckDuckGo? Everybody on 4chan. But but okay. Now you you've gone from everybody to everybody on 4chan. Yes, which I've is intentionally a very murdered small the subset topic. of people. I've intentionally taken a knife <laughs> to the conversation. <laughs> but, but we're looking for you. But we're to trying to keep it sources, going, Thomas. What's your sources? 4chan. Everybody on 4chan. No, so I, I, I would like a list of everybody on there to make sure they use The whole Duck point Duck of it Go. is you can't make a list of them. <laughs> Aren't they no. using something other than DuckDuckGo at this point? No. Isn't there a new? What's the latest greatest? Tom was like, fuck these guys. I'm cutting all this. Fuck them. I'm going to do the podcast myself. I can't. Yeah, I don't have authority to mute you, do I? Uh, oh wait, I do. I'm editing the podcast. <laughs> All right, go ahead. You've done this to yourself. I'm going back to doom and gloom. No. Eight months ago, somebody no, reported to Docker Hub that there were dozens of compromised, backdoored Docker images. Dozens out of three million. Docker images, there were dozens compromised of obscure Docker images that nobody downloaded. Okay, got it. Go ahead. 
But but we do have the list of how many times they were downloaded, right? We so. do have a list of how many times they were they downloaded. They were all 4chan users who got to it through DuckDuckGo. Probably were. Um, <laughs> not dozens. 17 total images. Uh, but the issue is that these images were running Monero miners. And That's Docker, a brilliant idea. It is. Docker Hub was notified because Docker Hub is the place where you say, I want to get this image, and it just grabs it. Mm. You say Docker up or Docker install, and it just fetches it from Docker Hub. Uh, so, so if you have something compelling enough that you think people want to install, and you can get them to install your image, right, that that's is the thing. fascinating. Like, I don't know what your vetting process is for Docker is, but for me personally, like if I'm, if I'm downloading a, a Mongo image... I usually get the image from Mongo, or or MySQL from MySQL. It it always I, you see because we use Docker uh, a lot and more and more. You always see these images from other people, like these random images. In in my head, I always assume, oh, these are just people who are creating images. You you pu- publish it to to Docker Hub because that's how you download them. But you you never really, ha- or I would never have the expectation of somebody downloading my my customized image configuration for for a Docker for that very reason because they would see it they would they'd be like who's this guy he's got you know a hundred downloads why would I download his image so when I go over here the fascinating part is that it is it is only seventeen Docker images that were backdoored in this way. Um, and the one that I can see linked here was uh, memory test. So it looks like these weren't just random Docker images with random names. These were Docker images for applications that didn't exist that provided some kind of new utility function. Hmm. Right. Um, I mean, that makes perfect I mean, sense. So, yeah, it, so you want to check? Though, I don't know if I would do that. You want to check how much memory your other Docker images are running, or how much the current Docker image is running, and you install Memory Test <clears throat> because you just mm-hmm. browse around and look it up and find it. Um, mm-hmm. So, and then from so what, from what's that, cool about this? If you're not familiar with Docker, I shouldn't say cool. What's scary about this is if you're not familiar with Docker. You wouldn't be able to tell that there's an exploit to this Docker image by looking at the, any of the Docker configurations because it's pulling in operating system images, which e- even the hashes wouldn't comp- wouldn't compare to like like the official Ubuntu release hash wouldn't mm. compare to this hash, and you wouldn't expect it to because it's been configured specifically for whatever the functionality is. So you as an individual Whatever user, they're telling you it's supposed to do. Right. There's no there's no visible like you couldn't look at the config file and say, hey, why is it making this call? This is weird because the actual image has been manipulated. Yeah, and so <clears throat> what's happening here is that there's a lot of accusations of uh bots artificially starring images to bump them up the response list from Docker Hub. Um, stuff like that where because they were mining a cryptocurrency they were able to see how much cryptocurrency was mined and at the time of the article being written it was $90,000 so 
Wow. It, it wasn't it, it wasn't just things. random images being uploaded. It was a very sophisticated attack. It was a very sophisticated plot. Um and it would appear that valid images or or existing images had been poisoned by this user. He had gone in and gotten updates pushed out to legitimate Docker images that that you would normally trust, like the the Kubantes honeypot. Hmm. Uh, so it's a it's a very sophisticated attack. Um, what's interesting is it only mined ninety thousand dollars because Monero is CPU based mining. Uh, but this is very 90, similar 90, to. Dollars is good, a, good, a, good amount of money. Though. Yeah, it's not a not a bad haul. Um, yeah. And Monero is an anonymous crypto network. There's no way to figure out who this person is or get that money back or see where it went. So, smart, but uh, malicious nonetheless. And it's it, this reminds me of issues that NPM has seen and issues that uh, Composer has seen, where you have this authoritative source that gets compromised. And So, so for clarification, Thomas, I don't know if you're looking at the... YouTube chat. We have uh, a high potato in there right now from Philly. Asking, oh, I see. Are are you saying that official images had been exploited? I don't think official. Like the the Ubuntu image hasn't been exploited. For example, uh-huh. you still have to. No, but official as be... in images that were legitimate. Images that were legitimate appear to have been attacked been and pulli- had... pulling in. Pulling in this image. Yeah, pulled in, uh, uh, pulled in some kind of pull request or something. I'm not sure what the the process is for that. But according to the article that I'm reading, Sysdig.com accused the user that was doing these poisonings of of hitting the Kubernetes honeypot, which is a quote unquote legitimate uh, image. Mm. Interesting. Do we have the list of seventeen that were exploited that we can put in the show notes? I'm just I'm digging for it. Yeah, and this, I mean, this is not we're a talking about issue. out of yeah out of got to be thousands of images yeah. seventeen. Yeah, and, and again, this, this is, is not, not a new issue. This has always been a a, a, a potential threat with any open source so any open source software out there. But even like virtual boxes, people were were sharing virtual machines for a while. I still do. I mean, you you can create a virtual machine image and share it. This is this is always going to be an exploit. It's just a matter of you as a user have to take responsibility of the tools you decide to use to make sure you vet them properly before using them. Yeah, that just that um, can be really hard. Yeah, it can. I mean, it, there's no doubt anybody can get bit by this. You know, there's just malicious malicious people are going to do malicious things, and that's that's end of day. The, the reality of the world we live in. Yeah, I think I think the just the big concern here is that uh, is that it took eight months for Docker Hub to pull down these malicious images, mm-hmm. and that that is far too slow of a response time for a company growing the way that Docker is. Mm. So it's wait, did it take them eight months from the time they were notified, or eight months? They were notified. They were up for eight months. They were notified of the first attack, August seventh, two thousand seventeen. 
in GitHub as a GitHub issue. Okay. And the user account, it was this was all done under one user account in Docker Hub. And that user account was still up until what, a couple days ago. Hmm. All right. All right. Well, I'm crashing. I think we're getting to a good point in the show to wrap things up. I do want to take... I mean, it's, it's not as late as it is on the East Coast right now, but <laughs> it's still late. <laughs> I do want to take two minutes and just rehash the fact that the, the clock is ticking. I, I can actually have a, have a literal clock ticking here. But Wave PHP is right around the corner. Have we hit the uh, 100 day? Uh, we're under 100 days from Wave PHP right now. Under. Oh my god, John, we're under 100 days from Wave PHP. What? Uh, Wave PHP is happening September 19th through the 21st. John still has not raised the rates yet. So if you're interested in coming to San Diego for a, a pretty awesome community-driven conference we have the speakers out there you're going to want to jump on and buy tickets because john and i are about to throw down on these ticket prices he's cost i think i i think once we release the the schedule actual talks we should raise why 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 okay so that that has to be happening very soon because we need we need to get these prices up people Get on, get your Wave PHP ticket soon because if I have my way, we will we will be ending the early bird special very very soon. It looks like you committed to July thirty first here. I'm looking at the website right now. It says sale ends July thirty first. I haven't committed that... to anything that that's subject to change. No, no changes. Oh wait, we're only in June. But we're not going through July with that ticket price. That that ticket price is ending June thirtieth, at latest. <laughs> I, I'm I'm ending that. Holy crap, man! <laughs> you guys, yeah, yeah you guys have had the ad in PHP Arc for for how long? One episode, one one month. No, it's been a couple months, I think. Actually, in the, no, in the actual magazine, you've had it for like three months, haven't you? Yeah, it's been there for a while. Yeah, and that's honestly, enough. That, that, that's yeah. I agree, right? It's totally. been there long enough. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we we have we have the speakers announced. I think we am, are we missing any speakers now? I think we have all the speakers up, right? Did did we we had Brian? Uh, no, no, we're talking about having another one. There might be another one. Oh, soon. that's right. We're we're still missing. We we already we already announced Amanda, but she hasn't sent us a uh, hasn't sent us a image Screen, yet. Uh, headshot. Headshot. Uh, but Thomas, did you see your buddy, uh, your fellow Peak PHP organizer Brian Johnson's on there now? Ah, uh, yes, I did see that. Yeah, he's I should, there. I should go to that event. We uh we heard from him, so he he's been added. We added uh Sean Mays uh from uh, Lara Chat. Um, he's going to be coming down and and doing a a talk for us. Uh, maybe a couple talks. We'll see. I don't know. Trump make... may block. Trump may be blocking people from Canada soon. You never know. That's true. They're, they're gonna, <laughs> there's gonna be a tariff to, to get him in. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, just so. a shout out too for for Sean Mays. Uh, you posted a video of him in the the Deaf Hockey League. 
Yeah, so that's a, a lot of people don't know this about Sean. He's a fascinating cat, man. Um, and I didn't know it about Sean for the longest time. So, for those of you not aware, uh, Sean hosts. We they haven't had an episode for a while, but he he hosts a podcast for Laravel specific topics called Lara Chat Live. Uh, I, I've been on that for about about a year. They're kind of in hiatus right now. They're re- reformatting. He, he's very involved with the Laravel community, very involved with the development community, does speaking, runs a PHP user group, and all this, and he is like 100% deaf. Uh, he has um, some pretty advanced uh, hearing aids now, and when I when I actually met up with him in real life for the first time for Laracon in New York, he had just recently gotten these new hearing aids, and he, he's, they're like, I'm 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 a hearing enabled person and I'm jealous of his hearing abilities because they're like bionic ears. They, they they he you know he was showing me all the settings he could do to like focus on uh, a particular conversation or you know drown out noise or listen listen to other noises. It's really cool. But the the, the fascinating thing about him is he's his he's built so much of his image around communication and he speaks very well. I mean. You know, I'm a native English-speaking person, and he speaks better than I do. He's Canadian, so he's native English-speaking as well. But, but he's deaf, and he, you know, pronounces better. Uh, but I hadn't realized he was deaf probably for like the first six months of of our relationship, and then it it, it had come out. And I'm like, wait a minute, how are we communicating? And we've had. I, I've all, I've they were been laying in bed and... together, and Eric says, "I feel like you never listen to me." And, wow! What I, a I, I, like, oh, I'm, wait! What let me turn these things on back. I've always been very interested in deaf culture. My wife and I took several years of college uh, uh, sign language courses for no other reason because it interests us. We 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 didn't have family members Same or didn't here. know people. Yeah, so I I love I love sign language. I love the deaf culture. So I, I picked his brain. But fascinating cat, and uh, and he's a huge hockey player. He's Canadian, so I think he has to be. It's by law. So it's it's cool. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll find that link and I'll I'll post that in the show notes. It's I mean the kind of funny thing about it is, and he mentions it in the video. He he took his kid. He has a he has a daughter took her ice skating wearing the hearing aids he doesn't normally wear his hearing aids when he plays hockey it's an all deaf league and he just doesn't wear them but he took his daughter skating wearing these new hearing aids for the first time he, he kept thinking that he kept hearing a sound he's like what's happening yeah, what like is that static noise? or something I yeah and he that. kept looking around and he said for the first time in his life he realized that skating made a sound. Like he, you could hear people skating behind you. You could hear skates on the ice. He never even realized that. I'm like, that that just blew my mind. It's like, holy crap! Are you kidding me? He's like, no. It never occurred to him that, that skating on ice made a sound. And, yep. and now just, he has an unfair advantage and got kicked from the league. <laughs> exactly. So I'll find that article. Thanks for mentioning that, uh, Thomas. I'll uh, find that article and I'll post that. And yes, Sean, again, will be will be at Wave PHP and is one of our presenters. Uh, he's looking at doing uh, one talk for sure. He really wants to do two talks. Uh, now that we, we're trying to fit this other beef 
talking. We may or may not have room for two talks from him. We'll see. But a great, great guy. If you run into him at Wade PHP, because I'm sure many of you will be attending, make sure you, you know, give the guy a pat on the back. Pat. Give the guy a pat on the back and let him know, uh, you know, he does a great job just for the community as a whole. He really does. If you're not familiar with Lair Chat uh, online or Lair Chat Slack, uh, go check that out as well. Okay, thank you. That, that was our Wave PHP segment. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> every, every, from now to Wave PHP, we're going to highlight a presenter a week. No, I'm just making that up. <laughs> but, but we can. All right. But we can. It's time to wrap this up. This has been a great episode. We're way too far into it. Not quite as long as last week's, but still plenty long. Yeah, still has to be edited by me. So, long enough. Yeah, we we can talk for another 10, 15 minutes, John. I'm not editing this podcast, so we're good. All right, I'm... All right, this is a I'm wrap. Gonna, we're wrapping it up. Episode 110 in the can. I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm John Congdon. I'm Tom Rideout. <laughs> Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. <laughs> Somebody kick your dog there, Thomas? What the hell happened there? Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Show notes can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or directly off the PHP Ugly RSS feed. A rating of five stars on iTunes is appreciated. Submit articles to PHP Ugly at reddit.com slash r slash PHP Ugly. Until next week, keep it ugly.